Today, we're going to discuss how Meghan Markle, Harry, Chris Harrison, and The Bachelor relate to the new Phariseeism that is the woke culture and critical race theory in your workplace, in your classroom, in your neighborhood, and how all of this has a direct effect on your life. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Keith Crosby Out of My Mind. This is podcast 29, podcast 029, and with me in studio is Mark Stickler, and today we'll have a biblical conversation about the latest cultural issue in this crazy world in which we live. So join us over the next 20 minutes or so as we provide you a bird's-eye view perspective on this complex issue confronting our culture, the church, and you as we apply God's Word to make sense of it all. And at the end of the podcast, we'll point you to additional resources for further study, just in case you'd like to dig a little bit deeper. In the meantime, let's get started. All right. Yeah, Keith, that sounds like going to be an interesting topic today. Um, Harry, Megan, Chris Harrison, and all the stuff that went on 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 The Bachelors. And somehow you're going to tie this all in with with this idea of these Pharisees. Usually when I think of Pharisees, I'm thinking of biblical times, the people that Jesus always fought with. Uh, So do you want to talk about how how this is all going to tie into our Christian life? Sure thing, Mark, because these seemingly unrelated events and the public responses have a common thread, actually. So I want to tie all this in together from the Bible to now. All right, let's do it. All right, first, let's start with a passage. You know, normally we end with a passage and a principle here. Today, I want to start with a passage and sort of work through the issue and weave it all through. And so this time we'll start with Scripture and draw analogies and parallels as we go from there. We're going to start with the Old Testament, but we're going to look back at the Old Testament through the lens of Matthew 18, 15 through 17. And basically, Jesus is drawing on the Old Testament law, and he says something like this, if you think someone has done something wrong to you, go show them they're wrong in private. Show them their sin in private, and if they repent, you've won that person. And if they do not, talk to them again, bringing at least two other witnesses along so that the facts may be confirmed in the presence of at least two or three witnesses. In fact, the Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy 5 deals with the same principle concerning himself with the removal of elders, leaders in the church. He says, you don't receive a charge against an elder unless it can be confirmed independently. Because you see, God is into facts. Jesus, God, is into facts, not feelings or impressions. He's into caution and care, not carelessness. And in serious matters, people have to brush aside their feelings and deal with the objective facts. They have to look at the offense objectively to see if it is truly an offense. And I want to really hone in on this because this is a very, very serious matter. God in Deuteronomy says this in Deuteronomy 19, 16 through 19. If a malicious witness arises to accuse a person of wrongdoing, then both parties to the dispute shall appear before the Lord, before the priest and the judges who are in office in those days. The judges shall inquire diligently, and if the witness is a false witness and has accused his brother falsely, then you shall do to him as he meant to do to his brother, so you shall purge the evil from your midst. Deuteronomy 19, 16 through 19. You see, it's all about facts here. It's all about careful and diligent examination of the facts. But the woke class, through this new religion of critical justice theory, doesn't really care about facts. One's moral authority isn't based on truth or fact, but upon opinion and something called lived experience. 
So if someone feels offended or simply makes an accusation based on how they feel about a circumstance or a situation, they must be believed. It's not about truth. It's not about law. It's about feelings. And this is problematic because one person guarded by feelings prevents another person to explain the facts and they cannot resolve important issues. So if I feel like you don't like me, then you must not like me. And if I'm offended by something you said, whether or not you meant it or not, you owe me some kind of reparation or apology. Okay, so I've definitely um, heard, uh, and we've, I think we've all seen kind of this new era of uh, the lived experience. Uh, but what's that really got to do with Megan and Harry and kind of their experience as royals um, when specifically when Megan was living uh, across the pond, so to say, she obviously felt like there was some racism going on there and, and those things. And um, she is a woman of color. And ultimately I would say like, we don't really know what's going on behind closed doors. So, uh, so how does this all kind of tie in there and how, how do we talk about the facts with that? Well, the truth is Mark, we don't know what went on behind closed doors, but what we can do is to connect the dots are her statements consistently factual? And has she gone about this in the right way? What we do know is that at least one of her accusations about racism is false because it's based on bad information. You know, she feels that she's being discriminated against as a woman of color, and she's made this accusation that her son, I think his name is Archie, will not be allowed to become a prince because he is of mixed race. And, you know, that's in the news. Yeah, I, I saw that one. That was one of the uh, headlines there with, uh, with her interview with Oprah. Yeah, but it's false. And as Piers Morgan pointed out, and you, we all know about this recent dust-up with Piers Morgan and his weatherman on their morning news. Piers Morgan pointed out that over 100 years ago, a law was passed that, you could, that limited the number of princes. And until one prince sort of was out of office, you couldn't add a new prince. And so Archie, I think that's what his name is, cannot be a prince until Prince Charles becomes king. And Piers Morgan was trying to point that out over and over again. And, and he's pointing out a fact that Harry should know that wasn't true, that this accusation wasn't true. But that's not what the media cares about. It's not what the wokesters care about. We know we hear a lot about Piers Morgan walking off the show, but what we don't hear is the whole story. And what happened was he was talking to his weatherman on that morning show. You can see this on YouTube and you hear all about him storming off the show. But what you don't hear is what was said. And so what was said was this. Piers Morgan says, you know, that the Americans think that this is about racism, but this is about law and that Meghan misunderstood that. Harry should know better, but it's not true this was based on racism. And the weatherman goes, well, yeah, but her lived experience as a person of color basically trumps the facts. And they go back and forth for like 10 or 15 minutes, and finally Piers Morgan throws, off his, throws up his hands and walks off. And I've isolated the sound clip for this so you can listen to this part of the discussion. So listen very closely because the weatherman actually says twice something to the effect that the facts are unimportant, that it's all about lived experience. And you hear this happen, this exchange twice between him and Piers Morgan. Listen now. Megan just got it wrong. Archie hasn't been prevented from being a prince because of his skin color. And that's been now believed by Americans on national television there. And that is damaging. 
But again, do you know what? It's their lived experience. Did you catch that, Mark? It's not about the facts. It's about the new tradition of the Pharisees, lived experience. And this tradition nullifies the need for confirming facts because facts don't matter. Only the new tradition matters. And that's why I refer to wokeism and a lot of this critical theory nonsense as the new Phariseeism because they, they appear outwardly pious and outwardly righteous, but inwardly, it's just not the case. And this new wokeism, this, uh, this lived experience, this new tradition of the Pharisees ignores what God values, truth. It goes beyond the truth into preferences or the traditions of the critical race theory religion and its Pharisees. Okay, so you started us out with a Bible verse um, today. So how does all this tie back into the Bible there? Okay, well, let me, let me just talk about that. So here's the biblical analogy. You see this with Jesus confronting the Pharisees several times. Two examples are in Mark uh, chapter 7 and in Matthew 15. And what he says is to the Pharisees in Mark uh, 7 verse 9, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. And then he says in verse 13, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down and many such things you do. And he, he keeps hitting on, on this fact. He does it again in Matthew 15, 1 through 6, that they have elevated their traditions above the word of God, above the law of God, because it was all about power, not truth. They sought to go around the truth of God's word, nullifying God's justice for the sake of their traditions and violating the very basic idea of what they say they stood for. And Megan and Harry are doing some of this now. In the name of righteousness and justice, they're ignoring what is right and true and just leveling sloppy accusations. Okay, so I know that they're royals and that, uh, you know, when it comes to privilege, they probably have more privilege than any of us do. Uh, but at the same time, it doesn't mean that they need to have less of a quality of life or something uh, uh, something of that sort. So shouldn't we kind of be giving at least Megan a little bit of the benefit of the doubt here? Uh, we know, and it's clearly been documented, how hard it was for Princess Diana. So why would we think that it's that much different for Megan? Well, here's the thing. Uh, we do know what Diana went through. We know that she had mental health problems prior to the marriage, and they only increased during her difficult marriage to Prince Charles. And this is one of the points that I think really undermines the credibility of Meghan Markle. And I don't want to get off on this tangent. The story of Lady Di is legend. I mean, books have been written about it, multiple books, TV shows, movies have been made about it. And for Meghan Markle to say, after 20 months, I had no idea what I was getting into. No one prepared me for this. It, it just tests the limits of credibility. Where was she living? Did she not go near a television set? Did she not go near YouTube? Did she not go near a bookstore? Uh, books have been written, movies have been made about life and how tough it is at the palace. And even Lady Di continued to serve after her own divorce. And, and so when you listen to this Oprah Winfrey interview, the idea that she had no idea what she was getting into, and then she talks about her mental illness and that nobody in the palace would let her get help because this just isn't done. I mean, this just isn't believable. And why do I say that? Well, a couple of reasons. First, the palace got Lady Di help when she made her first suicide attempt. It's a public record that Prince Charles went through 14 years of therapy. He's Harry's dad. Harry himself is publicly admitted to getting 
help a receiving psychotherapy. They've done so publicly in interviews. And the royal family has endowed one of the big mental health charities because of all the mental health assistance they've gotten. And you can go to the website yourself. Prince William even recorded a video for it, www.headstogether, H-E-A-D-S-T-O-G-E-T-H-E-R, headstogether.org. Again, Prince William got help. They all got help. And Harry even told his own story in an interview prior to meeting Meghan Markle. And so the idea that they wouldn't let her have access to mental health care is just not true. In fact, in the United Kingdom, you can text the word SHOUT and it will connect you to a mental health service. So Keith, I know that uh, you, much like myself, uh, love America and uh, love the fact that um, we don't have royalty necessarily here. Uh, But it almost sounds like you're defending the royal family here. Well, Mark, let me be clear. I am not a fan of the royal family. But what I am doing is saying that there is truth and there is fiction. There is truth and there is error. There are facts and there are feelings. And lived experience and an accusation do not necessarily mean guilt. All of which gets us back on topic. Thanks, Mark. Back on topic with the new Phariseeism of critical theory and the woke. Because once you're accused of something, accused of anything, I don't care if it's white privilege or white fragility or racism or defending racism, you are guilty. Guilty, regardless of the facts. And there is no forgiveness. There is no pardon. There is no grace. And if you are foolish enough to try to play along and save your own skin and career from the cancel culture by sort of throwing yourself on the mercy of the woke court, you have made a serious mistake. All of which brings us to Chris Harrison and The Bachelor. As you know, Chris Harrison just lost his job because he defended racism. And here's the thing. Uh, He apologized. He said he was going to do the work. He, He asked forgiveness. He did everything that they demanded that he do. And in the end, he lost his job anyway. And this is where Jesus confronted the hypocrites of his day. The Pharisees were merciless. They did not care about the lost. They did not care about the sinner. They did not care about their repentance. And Jesus, in Matthew 9, 13, he said this, Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. In the same way that the Pharisees were merciless in Jesus' day, and they didn't care about the tax collectors and the prostitutes who were coming to faith, Instead, they were more interested in criticizing them for their lifestyle. In the same way, the wokesters today show no mercy, even when somebody who may have made a mistake apologizes, or even when somebody who hasn't made a mistake apologizes just to get the heat off of them. So this would be where we get to The Bachelor um, and Chris Harrison. And, and I think you had said a little bit earlier that, uh, that he defended racist behavior Um, something along those lines. And, you know, for myself, even hearing the clip, I didn't even think he was necessarily defending racist behavior as much as saying, you know, like, let's wait till we get to the truth. Well, that's it, Mark. And I appreciate the setup there. Because like I said, just like I'm not a fan of the Royals, I'm not really a fan of Chris Harrison. But his situation illustrates two or three things. One, the folly of trying to make peace with the cancel culture or the wokesters or the, or the critical race theory folks, when they're on the hunt for your head, there's no making peace with them. Or confessing to a crime you didn't commit and hoping that things will blow over, that is a fool's errand. 
And it also shows the venom and vindictiveness of these modern-day Pharisees. So let me, let me set all this up just in case anybody ha- isn't familiar with these goings-ons in popular culture. A contestant on The Bachelor, Rachel Kirkenau, apparently attended some kind of Old South Antebellum party in 2018. Now, let me just go on the record here and say this. That's, that's dumb. You know, who in their right mind would want to go to one of those parties celebrating the Old South? I mean, I'm a Southerner, and the Old South to me represents slavery. So I have no problems with her being criticized for that lack of judgment. And so someone outed her, and a firestorm ensued that was horrendous. Sure, her conduct was bad, but not as bad as some of the comments that were made about her and her family. I mean, they just savaged her on Twitter and social media. So when the story broke, uh, Chris Harrison, the show's host, was about to do a, uh, an interview with a journalist. And they asked him about this. And he responded. In, in his response, he was sort of caught off guard. And he goes, look, um, I, I, this just broke. I don't know all the facts. I haven't talked to her yet. But I just want us to be careful to not rush to judgment until all the facts are in. Maybe show a little grace until we have a better idea of all that's going on. And what happened then is he was accused of defending her and defending racism, and it cost him his job. And that's and despite the apology he made after this. He made this cautionary comment, let's not rush to judgment, let's collect the facts first. And then he got walloped, then he... He gave this really self-humiliating apology to the wokesters, and he got fired anyway. And so what I want to do right now is to show the soundbite that started all the trouble for him. What are your thoughts about Rachel Kirkenell and the allegations attached to her? A couple of things. First and foremost, I don't know. Um, I haven't talked to Rachel about it. And, and this is, again, where we all need to have a little grace, a little understanding, a little compassion, because I've seen some stuff online Again, this judge jury executioner thing where people are just tearing this girl's life apart and diving into like her parents, her parents' voting record and what it's it's unbelievably alarming to watch this. I haven't heard Rachel speak on this yet. And until I actually hear this woman have a chance to speak, who am I to say any of this? Now, notice here that he is kind of like saying, let's confirm the fact by at least one or two witnesses. Now, of course, he's not a Christian and he's not referring to Matthew 18 or to Deuteronomy. But what he is saying here is let's 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 have a little due process. Let's carefully examine the facts to make sure we have the facts right. But that didn't work out too well for him. He was pulled from the show. He was criticized for a defense of racism and later trying to placate these Pharisees, trying to appease the social media and establishment media woke carnivores. He repented and expressed faith, some might say, in the woke gods. And I want you to listen to this man humble himself and humiliate himself trying to appease these people, which in the end proved to be a futile effort or some would say a fool's errand. Play the clip. Why would you defend Rachel Kirkendall? I am an imperfect man. I made a mistake, and I own that. I believe that mistake doesn't reflect who I am or what I stand for. I am committed to the progress, not just for myself, also for the franchise. I am saddened and shocked at how insensitive I was in that interview with Rachel Lindsay. 
And I didn't speak from my heart. And that is to say, I stand against all forms of racism. And I am deeply sorry. I'm sorry to Rachel Lindsay. And I'm sorry to the black community. I am not a victim here. I made a mistake. And I own that. Wow, that's a... Uh... That's that's rough to listen to, um, and and really, we all kind of see now how it worked out for him, right? <laughs> right, right. I mean, he humbled himself. He confessed his sin, even though he really. I mean, again, all he was doing in the first instance was asking for caution, and asking not to rush to judgment until he and others could know more. And then he apologizes for that, even though he didn't do anything wrong, hoping to kind of, this thing might blow over, and they fired him. Because you see what the new Pharisees, whether it's the educational establishment, or the media, or even woke capitalist circles like Coca-Cola and other, and some of these companies in Silicon Valley, there is no mercy, there is no forgiveness, and that is the Pharisaical aspect to all of this. And you see, they're Pharisees because they don't hold themselves to any kind of standard, nor do their icons. I mean, recently in the Grammys, Cardi B objectified women as sexual objects, as people like Madonna in the past or Miley Cyrus, and they'll do all these horrendous things that's like pornography at the Grammys, and then people will applaud that and talk about them being empowered women, and then they'll cancel that inveterate racist Dr. Seuss, his books will be banned. Or then-Vice President Biden will talk about how everyone who works at a 7-Eleven is an Indian. He'll get a pass, and that's a racist comment. And the Queen of England will welcome Meghan Markle into her family, take her mom on a tour of Buckingham Palace, something she hasn't even done for Princess Kate's mom, and then be casually and carelessly referred to as a racist. And, you know, you, we have to think back here to the royal wedding and how the royal family, they had her African-American pastor preach. Prince Charles walked Meghan Markle down the aisle. They welcomed her. All of England welcomed her with open arms. And now, because she's leveled these accusations, which are inconsistent with the facts, now everybody's a racist. You see, today's Pharisees are like yesterday's Pharisees. They have a standard for themselves and they have a standard for others. They elevate their traditions, their theories above the law of God, above the word of God, above the facts, because they are Pharisaical legalists at heart. And it's all about power, not about truth. It's not about righteousness and justice. They talk a lot about justice, but they have no interest in justice. Okay, so we can kind of see where these new Pharisees come from and, and kind of what they're about. But what do we as Christians do with all of this? Yeah, and this is what we always talk about at the end, and this is a good time to talk about it. What do we do? Where's the hope? Well, the hope, as Jesus said, is being full of grace and truth. There's no making this problem go away. It's only going to get worse. Our children are being indoctrinated in the public school system and the university and by the media. But like we talked about in the last podcast, there comes a point in time to push back because this also goes beyond persecution. This is just plain old-fashioned injustice, and the victims aren't always necessarily Christians. And so what you have to do is to stand your ground humbly and courteously, but also resolutely. You have to be full of grace and truth, and that means not compromising the truth to take the heat off of yourself because we have to think of others. And sometimes, and sometimes this involves tough love. 
saying as Jesus said to the Pharisees, Woe to you, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel across sea and land to make a single convert, and when he becomes a convert, you make him twice as bad as yourselves. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. We have to point them to mercy. We have to require them to stop and think. We have to try to help them to understand, and this takes a lot of energy and a lot of effort and a lot of prayer, but with God, all things are possible. Well, our time is up, Mark, and I think that's it for today. Thanks for joining us, everyone. If you'd like additional resources, go to our resource page at www.gracetoliveradio.org and hit the resource button. If you have questions, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at keith at hillside.org. If you'd like to learn more about Hillside Church, visit our website, www.hillside.org, and let me invite you to our Good Friday services at 5 and 7 p.m., on April 2nd, and our Easter services on April 4th at 8 a.m. and 9.45 indoors and 11.30 a.m. outdoors. So you'll be safe. We'll social distance. You'll be out in the fresh air if you want to be. And in the meantime, whatever your podcast platform, give us a good rating. Share us with, with your friends. Help us to expand this ministry. This is Keith Crosby with Mark Stickler. Out of our minds, God bless you and keep you.